Peace and prosperity is my first salute to you. I'm Merton Clark, and welcome to the Word of Truth Revealed podcast. It is my desire to build you up, to increase your spiritual stamina and tenacity, to empower effectiveness and help you discover your purpose. Enjoy this vibrant and dynamic message. Every aspect of our lives uh, should be a part of worship. Not just our Sunday morning lives or our Wednesday night lives uh, or not just uh, our Sunday morning attitudes or our Wednesday night attitudes, but our every aspect of your life. If your life was uh, a piece of pie or a pie and you slice it up into eight slices, all slices, every portion, every slice should be a part of worship your family life, your financial life, uh, your business, your social life, your education, um, what you do in off times, miscellaneous, um, your dinner time, your fun time, your vacation, all of it should be a part. Somehow another, another, associate with your worship. The importance of Worship is enormous, it's colossal, it's gigantic. It's actually immeasurable. You cannot use it or put it on a graph and somehow another think that uh, you will be able to track its value. It's immeasurable. And that's why uh, God has given us the ability to do it and he's put, put this message in the mouths of preachers and prophets so people will begin to engage in the worship process because what I'm teaching you right now, I, you can't measure the importance. Just do it. Talking with God and worshiping God every day is so vital to our growth. But not only that, our maintenance and to our stability mentally and spiritually. However, this understanding of worship is slipping. It's slipping. It's slipping from Christian beliefs and Christian practices around the country, around the world. Um, people think worship is what the choir does. As you can see, we are shifting in our virtual church. The choir, the, the worship team will come back. But right now we're shifting. And when there is no worship team, there should be. If there's no worship team, it should not hinder the worship in your church or in your ministry. You know what? Because all of us are instruments in the hand of the Lord. And he's requiring for each and every single one of us to give him due praise and glory. In the Christian world around the country, around the world, uh, the belief of worship and practice is, 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 is it's, it's, it's losing its value. People aren't engaged like they used to. They're more, more engaged in sports right now. You can go to any sports bar and you see everybody, hey, drinking beer, and hey, that's my tea, right? But the, the beer that we drink is not physical beer. It is not cores. What we drink here is the spirit, right? And if you don't know how to worship, you need to be drunk in the spirit. You need to be vicariously intoxicated in the spirit. So you can say, hey, this is my team. Jesus is my team. I'm going to lift up holy hands and not be ashamed to praise God. You don't come to church to be stiff. Come to church and to sit there and be stiff, looking around all mean. You come to church to express yourself to God. 
And if you do it here, this is the gas station, you'll be able to take it home and do it at home as well. One of the things I always remember about my father, uh, he'll be turning 80 this year, and I'm thinking about seeing if we can do a celebration for him. But uh, he, uh, when we were young, I would always see him in his wife beater, <laughs> if you know what that means, and he would be in the living room uh, with his, it's a, a certain type t-shirt we call <laughs> the wife beater. Anytime you see a guy uh, for domestic violence hauled off to, hauled off to the prison or whatever, <laughs> they always picked him up. <laughs> in that kind of t-shirt. <laughs> well, my daddy would have his uh, t-shirt on and he would be in the living room praying. I would get out of the bed and listen to him, you know? And I remember that and it was a good thing to see, you know? It was a good thing to see my father giving glory to God. And uh, in December, I felt little of the Lord that he pulled his family together, his children, and to pray and bless his kids. And I, I brought it to him. And he did it in my office. All six of us were able to gather in there. And uh, he opened up the scriptures and he spoke over our lives. He, he spoke into our lives to Nick, to myself, to Donna, to Eric, uh, to Jameson. We found Jamie and he came in. And he also spoke uh, to Doris. And, and there was no dry eyes. And then he prayed for each one of us with the laying on of hands, and it was good. And he said to my brother Eric, he said, Eric, I don't want you to smoke anymore. I want you to live a long time, longer than me. And he laid hands on me, asked God to extend his days. And just two weeks ago, uh, my brother didn't know why he was having discomfort in his heart. And uh, when they checked him out two weeks ago, the same day that my mother-in-law died, he needed two stents in his heart. And God preserved his life. And he's still with us, and his whole life is changing. He said, God is talking to me, Bishop. I said, I know. I know. But I believe it was because my father worshiped God and was able to lay hands on his children in obedience to God that he extended the, the life of his son. We don't know. We don't know how powerful worship and prayer is. It's immeasurable. <clears throat> if we really knew, there's some things we just would and would not do. There's some things we just would and would not do. get choked up sometimes. The older I get, watch how God functions and flows with our family. To watch my father speak life over his son and God honored it. And for all fathers, when you worship God, he'll start moving you in certain ways. You won't just buy Arrow Jordans and games and things like that and give instruction. There's some tenderness that needs to take place. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. Worship softens your approach and tailors you to be able to handle every situation that you're going through and helps you to train up children in the way they should go that when they're old, they will not depart. It gives you a tenderness when you need to be, changes the texture of how you move. Thank you, Lord. I'm one of those in-your-face type instructors. Worship has a way of causing me to shift. 
On Wednesday night, I talked about the importance of channels. The channel, the worship channel, the importance of channels, like the river channel, the stream channel. Rivers and streams are in position in the world today to drain 75% of water off the land. 75% of water that's on the land that will create floods drains into rivers and streams. And we need those rivers and streams. The scripture says, I believe it's in John chapter 8, if you believe in Jesus, if you follow him, out of your belly will flow a river of living water. And what, when the river is flowing in you with efficiency, it drains the floodlands of the people that are around you. What I mean by that is floods are dangerous. It, it mixes pure water with, with uh, contaminated water. It also breeds parasites. And you, if you drink that water, you, you'll actually develop hepatitis or some type of, uh, some type of disease that will affect your liver. If it's in a home, it will breed mold, mold on the walls. It affects your lungs. It's very unhealthy. Floods can be very dangerous. But when the river is flowing through you, the floods in other lands and other people begin to diminish. That's why the enemy wants you choked up and clogged up. Wants you with an attitude. I don't like church. I don't like what they said. But anybody else can offend you. People on the job, you go there every day. But when it comes to church, I'm done with them. That's the work of the enemy. Get over that. Get over yourself. Let the Holy Ghost start flowing through you so you can drain the floods from everyone else. That's my anointing. People get around me, the floodwaters start diminishing. The parasites have to go somewhere else. And an actual flow starts happening through the power of the Holy Spirit. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. We also talked about distribution channels. You have a manufacturer, but what good is it if the manufacturer can't get the product to the, to the uh, retail stores? You need channels to get it through. You need trucking. You need an Amazon. You need somebody that can take an order and get it to your house. These distribution channels are so important. Are so important. If you want resources, if you want to maintain resources, if you want to be able to check how powerful your business is, you can't overlook the distribution channels. What good is a, a vaccine, and we have some powerful ones, if you can't get vaccinated? It can't go to CVS. It can't go to Eckerd's. It's gone. It can't go to CVS or Walgreens. Sorry, y'all. I, I grew up on Eckerd's. <laughs> but CVS and Walgreens, somebody has to get it to them, and when it, they get the, the vaccine to them, it has to be refrigerated in a certain way. Then they have to be able to deal with it once it gets there. These channels are, are important, not just the product. It's like people can have insurance all day and never go to the doctor. Distribution channels need to be engaged. Then we have blood vessels. You have a heart, you have capillaries, but you also have arteries and you have veins. A lot of people can get shot, but if you ever hit a vein or an artery, it can be very dangerous or life-threatening. And that's why we want to make sure we watch our cholesterol levels, watch blood clots, watch stuff that clog the veins and the arteries. These are distribution channels. You can have a healthy heart, but if the veins collapse, we have a problem. 
And that's what the enemy is doing, putting a tourniquet on the veins, putting a tourniquet in the body, on the capillaries, choking out the arteries. That is our relationships one with another. Watch the distribution channels. And then we talked about the communication channels. Even now, I'm communicating with people who can't physically touch me. Why? Because the channel is being engaged in. There are cameramen, there are people in the love that are making sure they got here way before I did to make sure things are up. It's technology. They make sure everything is up. It's warm. There's a warm atmosphere here. The sound is right. Actually, my mic sounds real good. And I feel good, good, good. And I feel good, oh my Lord, every time I pick up this mic and think about Jesus and the sound is right, I feel good. And you got to make sure when you do what you do, you can't just sit up there and you don't know what anybody saying on the mic. Everything's all right. You got to make sure that everything is right. Sound, temperature, and lights. Thank you, Bishop McLaughlin. People are not going to come out of a club with lights. Mm, mm, ah, mm, mm, ah, and come to a church and you don't understand what people are saying. Church needs to grow. And if you want to invest in your sound, you're not going to have no members. If you want to invest in your lights, you're not going to have any members. This is all technology. Well, I love the Lord. And I, but you're living in a modern age. We have communication channels. For the news, it's Fox. It's Headline. It's CNN and MSNBC. Fox is always going to give you the right. Right now, they're not covering Biden. They only cover uh, conservatives. But when President Trump was there, he could just break in. Oh, we got to break to the president. <laughs> CNN sometimes don't even deal with conservative things or MSNBC. And you have to learn how to surf them all to get a holistic viewpoint. Communication channels. Media is so important, and it's important to God. I didn't know how important it is. It's a kingdom. And usually Satan sits at the throne, the top of it, pumping out propaganda and issues. And if all you do is listen to the news and you never get in the word, guess what? You're void of truth. Even now, news media are trying to prophesy. When you sit down with a newscast, they'll say, what do you think about it? What do you think is going to happen tomorrow? What do you think the president is going to do? It's all prophetic. News is not projecting what's going to happen in the future. <laughs> news is telling you what's happening right now. That's current news. Prophets should be prophesying, not newscasters. And then we have what we call spiritual lifelines. This message will bless you. Go and get it. I believe there are at least six uh, uh, five of them. There's more than that. But I wanted to give you five spiritual lifelines. Number one, the word of God. It's important. I'm glad to see that you're connected on the word. If you're on the internet today, I would like for you to let me know what state and city you're from. Put it right there in Facebook Live and comment on the word. The word is a spiritual lifeline. The spirit of God is another spiritual lifeline. You need both of them. You need the spirit to indwell. He needs to be on the inside of you, not what you feel when you 
you know, feel that makes you shift. You need to make sure that the spirit is on the inside. He works best from the inside out. The third is fellowship with God and one another. Fellowship. You need fellowship before you can have fellowship. Fellowship. One with another. If you stick with Merton Clark Ministries, Truth Reveal, International Ministries, let's get through this pandemic. You're going, I want you to begin to fellowship. People are getting too comfortable with being separated. When we get past this, we need to come back to warm fellowship. The fourth is prayer. It is a spiritual lifeline, talking with God. Let nothing hinder you or hinder your prayer life. Nothing. Talk with God. And you can do it at any time. You can talk to him in the morning. David would talk to God in the morning and in the evening. He had, God says, this is a man after my own heart. So if you want to follow uh, God's heart, follow David. In the morning, he would just worship God. In the evening, he would worship God. So prayer is not just what you do when you're going to sleep or what you do when you're blessing your food. You need to talk to God in the morning. First things up. Give God glory and praise. And then the fifth thing is praise and worship. We're talking about praise and worship today. Praise and worship is a lifeline. And if you're not engaged, if you're not engaged enthusiastically in praise and worship, there's a part of you that's being choked out. A part of God getting to you what he wants to get to you is being choked out. Psalm 63 and 1. It is a psalm of David. When he was in the desert of Judah, a psalm of David while in the desert of Judah. What do you mean? Judah is the place where David's, that, that's David's tribe. This is the fourth son of Leah. The fourth son of, of Jacob and Leah, their union. Leah was the uh, wife of Jacob, but she was not loved by her husband. Many of you can understand what I'm talking about. To be in a relationship and don't feel any love at all. She was uh, feeling uh, lonely even though she was having uh, uh, intimacy and, they, and babies were being produced. Th there was no smile in the engagement. It was just an act uh, of the body. And uh, she felt like when she had her first son, uh, uh, Reuben, that he would love her. And then the second son, Simeon, maybe he'll love me now. And then the third son, Levi, maybe he'll love me now. But on the fourth go, he said, you know what? He may not love me, but I choose to love God. And we need in our lives sometimes to stop looking for people to satisfy us and we need to turn it back to God. When she turned it to God, she had a son. She named him Judah. It means praise. Glory to God. As Joshua goes into the land of Canaan and begins to fight in the bop and to make sure that the Israelites had their territories. The allotted plot for Judah, a beautiful plush land. One of the greatest in the tribe, all 12 tribes, Judah was selected to go out first when it comes to fighting. This is how I fight my battles. I praise God. 
I don't pick up gloves and pick up swords, physical swords. How I fight my battles is I praise God and worship God. Even in the midst of a pandemic or a storm or setback or divorce or sickness or ailments or whatever it is. Or loneliness or when you're not preferred, you're going through the activity, but there is no love to flow with it. As God gives Judah their territories, the scripture says right here that there's a desert in Judah. There's a desert. There's dry places in Judah. And even in your praise, you will go through moments where there's no moisture at all. Come on, Leah knew what she was talking about. And Judah experienced it himself. Now David, while running for his own life, is in the territory, the desert of Judah, and he writes this psalm, Psalm 63. With that in mind, when you read it, it's going to bless you. Oh God, you are my God. Look at this, earnestly. I'm going to turn my desperation for water, earnestly I will seek you. I'm going to turn my lack and my loneliness into a praise. My soul thirsts for you. Physically, I'm thirsty, but I can't get it right now. So what I'm going to do is thirst for God. And this is why it's important for you and I to turn our frustration. Ah, turn our lacks into praise. If you praise him, you'll be married this time tomorrow. I'm sorry, next year. <laughs> if you praise him, she'll show up for you. <laughs> if you praise him, he'll come around the corner. If you give God the glory, he'll turn your life around. What you couldn't do on your own, God will do it for you. I can't get no help. Ooh, I'm preaching good. Preach Merton Clark. Preach the word. Preach the word. Be instant in season and out of season. Amen, lights. Amen, cameras. Amen, chairs. <laughs> I will seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My soul thirsts for you. Watch. My body longs for you. I turn my physical frustration into a praise for you. My body longs for you, for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. Wow. So while in a dry desert land, what should we do? We turn that body, that frustration in the body to a praise. Our soul, we need to thirst for the Lord. Earnestly, we should seek the Lord. Remember, he's my God, our God. Oh, God, turn your, oh, God, I can't believe this, into, oh, God, you're my God. That's a good word for you. Turn your, oh, God, I can't believe this happened to me, into, oh, God, you are my God. Write it down. Worship is holistic. It's holistic. Worship defined is magnifying or making much of someone or something. The word magnify is magnify, magnifying or making much. Making much of someone or something. Magnify. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. It actually means to make it bigger. When you worship, you make God bigger. He's not just little God way off somewhere, maybe beyond Pluto, and you're trying to call him, God, I know you can't hear me. Please come in and save me. No, he's nigh thee, even in your mouth. 
It's a faith thing. Faith closes the distance between God and where you are. It makes it instant. He's the very present help in the time of trouble. So worship is magnifying or making much of someone or something by our actions, our thoughts, and our words. You do this by your actions, your thoughts, and your words. You mix your actions, your thoughts, in, and your words as you make God bigger. This is very powerful. Worship is magnifying or making much of someone or something by your actions, your thoughts, and your words. Now a woman can tell if you love her because you will mix them all if you love her. You'll mix them all. If you're just lustful, you'll say what you think she wants to hear and she can tell. But if she's really well grounded, she can tell when you're bringing all of it in. Actions, thoughts, and words. Not just words. We're living in a day now where you don't even have to talk. You just, yeah, yeah, you know what I'm saying. You know, you know what's up. Yeah, we got to get that rendezvous. Yeah. But God requires for his people to mix actions, thoughts, and words. And if you believe that you love anybody, you can't love them without actions, thoughts, and words. And that's what's required when we worship. Remember, it's making much of someone or something. Glory to God. And I love to see... Uh, parents that make much of kids. When I was younger, I saw these parents take a kid in their first birthday party and they just made it real big. I was like, the kid is not even going to remember this. They, they, you would think the kid was graduated from high school. Big cake, hats, balloons. And I was sitting, I was a young man, I was like, what are they doing? It's like wasted money. What I failed to realize is that photographer, there was a photographer taking pictures. Guess what? Seven years later, they were able to show the baby what happened. And it was like the baby relived it. When you magnify God with words, thoughts, and actions, he takes a photograph of it. Glory to God. And when you don't have a praise, he'll show you. <laughs> he'll show you how good he was and what he did in the past. Because worship has a way of connecting previous actions with today's problems. Worship today is generally thoughts. It's thought of as a repertoire of music. Three fast and two slow. 30 minutes and we're out of there. Man, they're going long today. Man, I'm tired of standing. Man, they're really singing loud today. I heard that song before. Where are your actions, thoughts, and words? God wants you to pick up worship off the floor. Not just three fast and too slow. 
We need to worship God in a fresh, vibrant, and dynamic way. In fact, discerning God's will from a, a transformed and renewed mind is worship. Discerning God's will from a transformed and a renewed mind. I discern his will as my mind is being transformed. Thank you, Lord. Think about me as a young man looking at parents celebrating their kids and having thoughts of, does it take all of that? Guess what? I didn't have a child of my own. My mind was not renewed as it relates to that. I'm looking at everything externally. There's no presence on the inside. No experience. And there's a lot of people looking at worship from the outside. But once you start getting involved with your mind transformed. Glory to God. And renewed. Your actions start coming into order. Your actions start coming into order in accordance with the will of God. People are doing things but they're not doing it in accordance with. With the will of God. What is God's will for your life? And worship really starts when you start surrendering your will in exchange for his will. It's a pivotal point, pivotal point that you go through in worship. Where you shift from flesh to spirit. And start allowing God to speak to your soul. Glory to God. God is calling men, women, and children to become more like Jesus. You don't get there without worship. For a moment, I talked to you about uh, worship is holistic. I want to talk about improper conformity. Improper conformity or religiosity. Praise the Lord, everybody kind of folk. Go to any church. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. But no heartfelt engagement like autopilot. God is good all the time. And all the time, God is good. Religiosity. People that worship other gods, gods of culture. People looking at idols, but there's a God of culture or religiosity. And it's straight up idolatry to worship religiosity or doing the same thing over and over. Routines without changing it up and becoming fresh. Think about it, if you've ever dated anybody. If you bring a flower on Friday, one flower, bam. The next week you bring the same color, bam. She may look at you and say, thank you. The third week, <laughs> that's all you got? One flower? Well, that's, you know, I thought you liked the red one. Yeah, but I like variety as well. And why don't you shift it up? <laughs> why is it the same thing? <laughs> that's how God is. God is like, you've been with me, I've been good to you. You can't take a step back and just let creativity hit you concerning me. So you bless him today by lifting up your hands. Tomorrow you get on your knees. Glory to God. On Sunday morning you come into the church service, worship is going on, you just stand in the dark. You're changing it up for him. He said, I like that one. <laughs> Improper conformity. People are conforming to religiosity and they won't conform to fresh, vibrant, and dynamic worship. It's a hard act. Worship is a hard act that starts with a heartache for God. My soul longs for you. That's a heartache. 
The Gap Band. My heart yearning for your love. You got to know that's a yearning. It's a heartache. I can't see you, but I yearn for you. Teddy Pendergrass, uh, turn out the lights and light a candle. So that what you got to understand, he's like, I want to, I yearn for the moment. Glory to God. I got to use some of them because those are the guys that, uh, that I used to listen to. <laughs> Teddy Pendergrass was off the chain. And some people need that. You need to be able to back into it. A lot of people are intimate, but they like it all. It's all secret. No holding hands outside where everybody can see it. It's all internal. God sometimes wanted it to be an outward expression as well. Remember, worship is a heart act that starts from a heart ache. I yearn for you. Remember those three words, fresh, vibrant, and dynamic, like actions, thoughts, and words. Worship, you start moving in threes, it will be like awesome. You praise him, you pray, and you worship. You pray, you praise, and you worship. You have actions, you have thoughts, you have words. You want it fresh, you want it vibrant, and you want it dynamic. You'll break improper conformity when you have variety. It's not just simply singing songs as Christians outside of a broader culture, but worship the one true and living God. People are conforming to the culture like it's taboo to lift up hands and give God glory. Don't let the enemy or the culture that we're in stop you from giving God the glory. Worship matters. Worship matters to God. Worship matters to you. If it matters to God, it should matter to you. Sometimes we allow personal distractions to get in our way of worship. Sometimes we go to church, but we don't worship. We uh, sing, but we don't really worship. We connect with the virtual church, but we don't worship. All these things are good, but we must worship our God. I talked to you about several things today. Worship is holistic. Improper conformity. Worship matters. Worship is a lifestyle. Now worship involves much more than we realize. I said you can't measure it. It's immeasurable. So, so huge. Large. There's six reasons for the importance of worship. I'll go through these real quick. Six reasons for the importance of worship. Worship involves surrendering of your life, and that is a very difficult law to break. The law of surrender, I would say to adhere to. It's a very difficult law to adhere to because it, it challenges your flesh to give up something that it loves. Worship involves surrender of your life. Romans 12 and 1, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your body as a living sacrifice, pleasing to God. This is your true and proper way of worship. Worship doesn't start with a song. It starts 
in light of God's mercy that you surrender all to him. And that's very difficult. You have to lay flesh on the altar. As young and vibrant as you are, you want to do a lot of things, but God says, I want you to lay it before me as an altar. As hurt as you are, God still requires you to lay it on the altar. Lay the hurt down for him. As, as ill as you are, God still requires it. Years ago, I called an altar call in this service. This place was packed out. And there was a girl who was here who was uh, lame from her mother's womb in a wheelchair. And when I looked up through the tears, she had rolled herself up to the altar, slid out of the wheelchair, and was laying on the altar. Other people standing around. They're not done yet. The game is coming. They didn't even see the miracle before us. You're looking for something else. You're looking for what a horse to come in and rescue you. When I saw that girl slide out, slide out of her, she couldn't walk. Well, I got to get in the presence of God. It messed me up. I'm still messed up. I'm still messed up by that sight because she laid it down. She laid it down. It, it, it was deformed, but she laid it down. It couldn't walk. It was maimed, but she laid it down. It didn't have all of the resources, but she laid it down. And some of us got it all. And that's our problem. We have it all, so we don't need God. Glory, hallelujah. She went on to be with the Lord. But while she was in this earth, she gave God what she had. Glory, hallelujah. Her name was Amber DeVoe. And Amber, thank you, Jesus. I still remember you. I don't remember the wheelchair. I remember laying on the altar. Worship is putting number two. Not only uh, does it involve surrender of our lives. Number two, it worship is putting our focus on God. Come on, put your focus on God. One of the disciplines of a cameraman is to make sure they focus on the one that's, that's speaking. That's the discipline of the lens, to focus. And many of us lack the discipline to calibrate the lens so we can focus on one thing. We're trying to do multiple things. And sometimes you should do multiple things. Uh, the way you grow in school, especially young kids, they have to do several things in one day. Math, science, technology, and engineering. STEM. Then you add arts. And we expect our kids to do those things and get A's in all of them, and that's good. Then there's a moment where you need to focus on this one thing, like your room. I just can't, it's just hard. What do you mean? If you can deal with STEM, if you can deal with science, technology, engineering, and mathematics, you can make up your bed. You can empty the trash. You can say hello in the morning. You can show some gratitude. Watch this. And you can lift up hands to God. Focus on him. 
I focused on a math problem all night long. Can I focus on you for three minutes? You focused on the job. You focused on the job all week long. Can I give you two minutes? Just you? Thank you. For my wife, my children, for my prowess, for my problems, for everything. I bless you. Glory to God. My mother-in-law passed away and the wife was singing praise to God and singing in her ear. You were a good mother. You loved us. You raised others. Glory. She turned the pain into a praise. Worship is putting your focus. And next time you go through, take a moment to give God thanks. Turn your desperation into a praise. Put your focus on God. Worship is not based on likes or dislikes. Thumbs up. YouTube, you can put a thumbs up. Facebook, you can say whatever you want. I think it's YouTube, you can put a thumbs up or a thumbs down. Facebook, they just allow you to do a, a thumbs up. And some people value themselves by who likes what they do. They've learned that if I say it this way, people will give me more likes. What does God say about it? Who's pleasing God? More likes on Facebook, more attention on Facebook doesn't mean God is giving the attention. God responds to his word, not to catchy phrases. Not based on personal preference or priority. The third thing you need to see, please get it. Not only does God want you to focus... This is what this is a priority in worship. It is the six reasons for the importance of worship. Number one, worship involves surrender. Number two, worship is putting a, a focus, our focus on God. But number three, worship involves getting out of the way. Pushing your needs and your desires aside so you can focus on the Lord. He requires this. We have to learn to remove our worries. Get it out of the way. Move your opinions. Move it out of the way. Move even your questions. Move it out of the way when you're worshiping God. So you can worship with appropriate honor. You don't honor when you're distracted. You don't honor when you bring self in there. One of the worst things you can do when someone is grieving is start talking about, yeah, I remember that because I went through so and so and so. You know, see, my mother died three years ago and I went, ooh, I went, and the person is standing right there. You got to get yourself out of the way. A lot of people think when they say identify with your pain, really pain is, is unique to every person. Get self out of the way. One of the greatest things you can do when a person is grieving is just come and stand or show power in presence. If you need anything, let me know. But long scriptures and sermons and taking over conversations, that's you got too much involved. And when you're worshiping God, see God, you know I love you. I told God. I told God I'm going to serve him. I told God I'm standing with him. <laughs> 
That's not real worship. Get yourself out of the way. God, I love you. I want to be with you. You're magnificent. You're awesome. It's about him. You learn to worship, you won't enter into physical relationships where you dominate them. Always talking about self. What you want. Got to be first in line. We have to learn to remove our worries, our opinions out of the way. Let God be God. It's letting go. Letting go of something that you like. Get self out of the way so you can worship purely. The fourth thing is this is very important to worship. Worship involves personal sacrifice. I wish I could preach this. I'm just going to cover it. Worship involves personal sacrifice. And this is for every believer. Nobody can worship God and bring all of you to the altar and leave with all of you. When you come to the altar, you got to leave something at the altar that you're not going to pick up anymore. For Abraham, it was his oldest son named Ishmael. And there came a time where he had to let him go. The promise was not with Ishmael. The promise was with Isaac. So God told him to cast out the bondswoman and her son. And he had to take Ishmael and Hagar to the edge of the camp, give them a little water and uh, a few figs and release them. Now I just want you to, this is vicarious. Now just imagine Abraham releasing his oldest son and his mother into the wilderness and he turns away from him and walks away. What do you think the boy was saying? I don't deserve this. Dad, what are you doing? What kind of, what? And he had to keep walking. A portion of him he released. For Hagar, for, for uh, Sarah, it was no big deal. Get him out. Get him out. He can't live in my house because he, he didn't look like you. He had none of your blood in him. But for Abraham, he looked like him. He walked like him. Curly hair like him. It was tough for him. And I'm using that as an example to show you that all of us have something. This is what worship requires. A personal sacrifice to where you got to release. It may not be oldest son, I'm being drastic here, but it's something that you like. Maybe it's a pipe or maybe it's an engagement. Or maybe it's something you do alone. But you got to lay it at the altar for him. Personal sacrifice. Praise is easy when times are good, but it's tough when you got to give up something. There's some men that need to worship right now. But I am worship. I am worshiping. No, you're not sacrificing the thing you love. You still smell like the world. You got it with you. It's just tucked away real good. Got that address nobody know about. That address is sitting right there. That's mine. God requires it this year. Give it up. Don't give it up when you're caught. Give it up now. Hebrews 13 and 15. Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise. The fruit of our lips 
that openly profess his name. And whatever you say with your lips, your heart has to follow. Almost done. We also must worship God in the face of pain and loss. When someone dies, worship God. When a relationship is struggling, worship God. When sickness is in your body, worship God. When you can't breathe, <laughs> you still say, God, I love you. King David just demonstrated this when he was worshiping God in the face of the loss of his infant. His baby died. The Bible says he prayed, but the baby died. He asked God, but the baby died. That pain is severe. I just had to go through that with one of our members. Their second child came in and their second child was deceased. Three weeks old. We prayed, but God did not restore the child. The loss of loved ones can be very severe. But after the child died, the Bible says David went in and washed himself, changed his clothes, and went into the house of God and began to worship. I want to encourage you. After you grieve the loss of a loved one, worship God. Get a good shower. Wash your face. Put some nice oils in your skin. Change your morning clothes into something bright. And come to the house of God. Not to the bar. Not to the lounge. Not to the small place that you like comfort. Come into the house of God and worship. Glory to God. Last but not least, worship is celebrating who God is and what he has done. Celebrating who God is and what he has done. Psalm 100 says, shout for joy to the Lord all the earth. Verse 2 says, worship the Lord with gladness. Glory to God. That causes your mind. You have to change your mind to worship with gladness. You have to say, I'm going to be glad. Sometimes I don't have a smile, but I tell myself, smile. I want you to next time you're alone in the mirror, just looking at the mirror. <laughs> Nobody's around. You're not going to be embarrassed. Tell yourself to smile. And see how it looks. Don't give yourself some half little smile, some little, some little gangster smile, some little gangster smile, some halfway uh, disjointed smile. I want you to open, open your heart and smile. And add this to it. Thank you, Jesus, for allowing me to wake up this morning. And you'll start tricking yourself to worship God with some gladness. This is what I loved about Donald Trump. He come down the stage. For me, I'll clap for myself. You don't have to like me. I like myself. <laughs> Glory to God. And I learned from it. 
Because I used to love to hear amens when I preach until the pandemic hit. There is no amen. So I have to praise God for myself. The Bible says, worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful singing. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people. Hallelujah. Take note of this. And the sheep of his pasture. I like verse 4. We're almost done. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. When you come in the house of God. Don't talk about the boxing match. Say, I'm glad to be in the house of the Lord. Don't talk about the football game. Start thanking God. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. And all greeters need to have this in their mind. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good. His love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. My friends, in a moment, I'm going to pray with you that God touch you, touch, touch your worship, keep it fresh, vibrant, and dynamic. It's been a challenge for me to worship at the top of this year. I was in prayer. The Holy Ghost told me to tell his people, tell my people to praise me. And I believe you and I, though we're not in the sanctuary in mass, God is still requiring for all of us to give him glory, praise and honor and you can do it my message sometimes is sharp and comes across uh, blunt but believe me I love you I don't know why when he spoke this to me we were grieving over our mother who just went on to be with the Lord but he says praise me I say father I love you thank you for her life thank you for health and strength and thank you for watching over us Given us 85 years. 85 years. I bless you in the name of the Lord. Let God be God. And let every enemy be a liar. Father, I offer this church to you and your people. For those who are here in physical, physically, and for those who are tuned in virtually, we are all going through something. Yet you're requiring for us to set our feet in the soil and lift up holy hands to elevate our minds and hearts in praise and worship to you. And I'm asking you to touch every member, every member, even non-members who are tuned in. These are your children and you love them. As we worship you, Father, I thank you for not extending the time in which we worship and you responding to our worship. Let there be an instant connection. I'm asking for that, Lord. That when men lift up their homes or smile in the bathroom and say, I want to be glad when I talk to you, Lord. They would sense a connection in the spirit with you. And I'm asking you to touch every soul all souls are yours. It just needs to be lifted up today. I give you praise for saving lives. There is no worship without the salvation. No long-term worship without salvation. So, Father, I pray that every person who needs you 
would pray this prayer with me. Father, forgive me of my sins. I repent. Cleanse me from all unrighteousness. I confess the Lord Jesus as the sufficient sacrifice for my sins. Lord Jesus, I accept you in my heart. Live in me. Work in me. You are the potter, I am the clay. Holy Spirit, fill me up until I want no more. And I will serve and worship you for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name. Father, I thank you for those who prayed that prayer. Thank you for their salvation. Help them to connect with the Bible teaching church or here at the church. And we will give you the glory and the praise and the honor. In Jesus' name. Amen. It has been a real joy to share the word of God with you. A special thank you to those who care for this ministry. No amount of financial support is too small. It is because of you this ministry is possible. To support us, go to our website at truthrevealed.org. If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe and share with friends. Be sure to tag us when you share at Trim Nation One. Thanks again for listening, and until next time, I'll see you at the Word of Truth Revealed.